once uh, once I started working and doing my own thing, I, I I try not to get involved in cliques and groups because there are cliques and groups out there. And so if you went to the comedy store, went to the Laugh Factory, there was comics that like it was it was groups, you know, and, and these would be the people that would hang out together. And same thing, like I remember at the comedy store, there was a the Andrew Dice Clay click, the Joe Rogan click, the Eddie Griffin click. There was, you know, were you a, a, a an improv guy or were you a comedy store guy? Were you a Laugh Factory guy? You know, it's like there was it was, it was like, ah, uh, and so I just love the fact that once I got out on the road and was able to stay out on the road, I didn't have to worry about being part of, you know, these these groups where sometimes it's good where you motivate each other and, and they, you push. And then sometimes I feel like everybody's sabotaging each other, trying to claw their way out of there. And so I never wanted to let anyone else's dreams or what they wanted influence me. Hi. I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. When did you start doing comedy? Like, was this something you always dreamed about? Did you fall into it in your 20s? Was it when you were a kid? What's the story there? Uh, the birth of the idea of me wanting to be a, a stand-up came when I was 10 years old. Wow. I was 10 years old. Uh, it was back in the day when I was a, I was a latchkey kid. Some Same. people don't know what that is. Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, you're basically babysitting yourself. I was babysat by Oprah every afternoon at three o'clock. Nice. Yeah. Just turn on the TV and did that until mom got I home. had a VCR. Oh, okay. I had a VCR. <laughs> Fancy. <laughs> so my mom would take me to the video store because back in the day, that's how you do it. There was no streaming. You had to go to, you know, to a location uh, and... You know, I'd rent movies. Right. Were you and at Blockbuster? So, was this? Oh no, like that was a, fancy. That, was this was say. this is way before Blockbuster, <laughs> okay, which okay. which says a lot. It was like a, a, a some video store in the hood. You know, it just said video store. <laughs> like it was basic. It, they didn't even try. It was just it was like just, a guy's video. Yes, it, wasn't it was just even, yeah, just video store. <laughs> it was one of those where it's like that has movies, and then like in one corner of the store, there's hanging beads yes and the like back the, room the back room i forgot the about that till just room. now but you're right and as a little kid we'd be like what's, what's back going there? on yep. yeah yeah like, get away from there yeah. oh, okay okay sorry <laughs> sorry so anyway uh i wound up renting uh eddie murphy raw which is probably not the best thing for a 10 year old to be watching <laughs> but my mom you know she's just like get whatever you want whatever you want to rent go you rent and so i went and got that and i forget what else i, I rented but that was the uh that was the comedy special that I saw that inspired everything. That is hilarious. I've heard a lot of comics talk about that being the thing that made them go, oh, damn, because he was just doing his own thing and it was so different than what was there. But I've never heard it as a 10-year-old kid. Yeah, yeah, that was my babysitter was Eddie Murphy. <laughs> and I watched it over and over and over and I was just like, wow, this is so cool. And uh, I like that he did voices and characters and that was that was what really drew me to what he did. And 
then I started mimicking Eddie Murphy doing all these characters and voices and impressions and stuff. And next thing I know, I did a school talent show. And how'd it go? It went very well. Oh, good. It went very well. I was originally going to try to do like sketches with a friend and then the friend at the last second backed out. And so they asked, well, you're by yourself. Is there something you do you can do by yourself? And I'm like, well, I do voices. Like, explain. And then I just started doing them. And they're like looking at me and I'm like, uh, is this going the way it's supposed to go? And they're like, are you available to come back? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah. And so next thing I know, I was on the school talent show. And how old were you then? Ten. Ten. Oh, still. This is oh, all this was, the same this was, time. This okay. was during, yeah. So I did the school talent show two years in a row. Okay. It's funny because the second year when I showed up for auditions, they're like, you're in. You're don't in. Want, don't even worry just about go. It. Yeah. yeah. And when after that did you try and make this like, I'm using air quotes, but like to be a professional comedian, like I'm actually getting paid money to make people laugh. From the time that I had the idea to the time that I can say I was calling myself a comedian was 10 years. But it wasn't like I was trying for 10 years. It's just that I, I there was no way of doing it. Yeah. You know, I'm a kid in school and, you know, uh, all I knew back then. See, today you can go online and you can research and find if there's something out there, you can find it. Right. Whereas back then, it's like, you know, we drove to a local comedy club. We tried to go in, and they're like, "No, kid, you got to be 21 and over to be in here." And my brother, my brother was like, you know, like, "Hey, you remember? You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna see this guy's face one day," which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, that's you know. So I was just waiting to. I, I was aging basically. I needed to, you know, be old enough. <laughs> Age to into do it. the system. Age into yeah. the system. Wow. Uh, when I was 17, I got on the school uh, speech team. And that was kind of in the vein where it allowed me to get in front of people. It allowed me to feel comfortable just talking and, and you know, getting over that stage fright. Yeah. Where'd so, you grow up? Here in Long Beach. Oh, in Long Beach. Yes. Okay, so we're still in. We're, I'm still, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not okay. like Snoop. I, I didn't move. <laughs> I, did, I started off here. I'm still here. I, I tried leaving and I got pulled back in. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Uh, so you get old enough to go to a comedy club. The first time you go, are you absorbing it? Like you're in the audience or you are on stage. I'm going to try this and see what happens. So once I was old enough to actually be in a club, I still wasn't allowed to be in a club because... You can't just call yourself a comedian and go in. You have to be referred. Someone has to know you. Someone has to, you know, it was a word of mouth type of thing. Right. So the first place I was actually able to perform was a bar in uh, Montebello here in California. Totally. And uh, it was it was very sketch. And I wasn't even old enough to be in there. But since they had a comedy night, they would let me come in the back door, go on stage, do my thing. And then as soon as I get off the stage outside right you know so that's how they would uh, let me perform when you started were you well received was it funny was it awful like how did it feel getting out on the stage for the first time uh april 10th 1997 uh, is, is the date <laughs> to be specific to be specific um yeah well that's that's when everything you know first kicked off i got a chance to uh put my name basically in a hat at a, at a place and then you know i was able to go up and it went very well. I, I was surprised. It was only like three minutes, but it was just me doing what I did as a kid in, in high school. You know, I was getting up in front of people and just doing impressions and characters. There was no real joke in there. It was just the fact that I could nail the voices yeah. that everybody was like, oh, that's cool. And so little by little, I just started making those voices do funny things. Right. And so in the beginning, I was very dirty. So I was all my cartoon characters. Everybody was having sex. <laughs> it was very inappropriate. <laughs> But it was funny. Right. And so I, I started building off of that. Got it. And 
then you start going on the road? Do you stay here in Southern California? What's, what's crazy is that uh, within three months, I was already working on the road. Um, crazy. The guy uh, that was booking the bar, you know, was established comedian and stuff like that. He was booking uh, the opening acts on the road uh, at a couple of different comedy clubs. And he's like, hey, kid, you, uh, you know, you got 15 minutes of time on you. You want to go on the road? And I'm like, yeah. And so my first show, I was doing um, Tucson, Arizona. I was opening up for a couple of other comedians. And that was awesome because I was able to do what I did in front of two established comics. And then those two established comics had their own comedy nights. And so it was like back then, it's like you go out, you do a show, somebody sees you, you exchange numbers, right. you have conversations, you, you, you're you social that way. And then from there, you're like, hey, you know, I got a friend who does a thing over here. I, well, I got a friend who does a thing over there. And so you would save information and you'd make phone calls and that's how you would, you know, uh, you'd, you'd, you'd get other gigs. That's incredible. I, it's it's interesting. I've had a few conversations lately with artists, comedians, writers, where it sounds not that it wasn't you worked your butt off, you did all these things, but it sounds almost like it was like flow, like you went from one thing into another into another. Did it feel like I'm just sort of following my intuition and and it's all working out or did it ever feel sort of clunky and like, why is this so hard or? It felt like this is incredible. It felt like this is like, wow, I am having so much fun. Yeah. Um, I never made it about the money. I never made it about work. It was about, I just want to go up on stage. I want to make people laugh. I'm okay. So yeah. I wasn't stressing about bills and stuff like that. Um, Were there bills to stress out? There there was bills and there was, uh, there was a day job. So I didn't worry about that got it i didn't i didn't make comedy the business it was fun yeah and so i was willing to do if someone said hey man uh you want to do 10 minutes in in, in bakersfield which is like a two-hour drive from here uh, where i'm born and, and gonna, raised okay yeah Bagel, 661 <laughs> what's up what's so up I would, so i would just drive out there for a 10 minute spot that's yeah. how hungry i was to, yeah. to get up there where it's like i didn't care you yeah. know it wasn't a money thing yeah. it was like it's for the love of the the stage and just wanting to do it do you feel like that kid is still in you today i feel like he's in there but unfortunately because i've been doing this for uh, over 25 years uh it, it i have to be reminded sometimes because yeah. i do get jaded and i do i do get complacent and i, and I do get into a, a place where it's like oh this is, it, it feels like work right yes it, and and at a certain point you do have to take it serious and you do have to apply a business sense to it because there's a lot of artists out there that are great artists but they're shitty business people and they have no idea how to manage their money they have no idea how to get certain people in place to take care of certain things yeah. because you can't do everything I, I firmly believe you need a great team in order to get you to where you need to be otherwise you're just going to be like you know you hear all these horror stories of all these great comics from back in the day and they all had financial issues yep. they were all you know in trouble with the irs they were all getting uh, garnished they were you know back taxes and jail time and it's like no, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, like, forget I did that not noise. Work no, this hard yeah, I did that. Yeah. So uh, I, I very much had to grow up and and learn how to make it a business. Did you learn that the hard way? Like, did you have pitfalls, or were you pretty savvy from the beginning? I feel very lucky that 
early on because I had, a, you know, I understand what it was to have a regular job. I, under, I understood what it was like to have to manage your bills. I understood what it was like to uh, get in over your head, you know, and 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 live beyond your means and, and have to fall that way. And then, yeah. all right, let's pick up the pieces. And how do we manage this better? What do we do to not get ourselves back into that same situation? And it was one of those where when you see money starting to double, then you got to be careful because then you got to be extra mindful. And then when you watch it double again, the, you got to like, whoa, okay. Yeah, yeah. You can't just <laughs> say we because eventually <laughs> someone's going to come knocking on your door. Right, right. And so there was that initial uh, where, you know, comedy started doing very well and money came in at a, at a rate where I was like not used to it. Yeah. And it was overwhelming. And of course I did. I was young. And so right. I did go out and make my stupid purchases, had my fun. And then, uh, you know, when you when you're looking at a few audits, uh, you know, and Uncle Sam's like, yeah, you can't write off all that Jack in the right. Box. You you really should start. <laughs> Those two tacos better. for 99 cents are not yeah. part of your job. <laughs> so I was savvy to an extent until I got to a place where I did need help. And fortunately, there was people there that were, you know, hey, man, what are you doing with yourself? You know, I see I kind of see what we're, you know, what's going on here. Maybe you should talk to this person. Maybe you should talk to that person. And even though. I feel like uh, I was able to outgrow those situations and those relationships uh, because the business was just growing so quickly. I did learn every single step of the way. Yeah. You know, so every, everything was a lesson. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. You said you've been doing this 25 years. At what point do you feel like you hit a day where you were like, oh, damn, like this is a thing. People know me. They recognize me on the street. I'm making this money. I'm getting these specials. It seems like if you're not following your career, it's so easy to be like, oh, yeah, he's come up in the last five years. And you're like, I've been doing this for decades. So at what point did it start to swing in a way that you felt like this is this is like me the rest of my life? This is what I'm doing. Uh, I want to say that that was from the from the get once I quit my day job, um, which happened in the uh, I'd say about year three, you're like mid to the beginning of three. Is when I when I said, you know what, I'm just I'm going for it. Yeah. Um, it was a little premature because 
again, I, I, you know, I had a day job and then I went full blown on, let me just try to make this comedy thing work. And I ran out of money so fast and I got evicted. They were looking for my car. I wound up sleeping at my brother's house and, and then moving in with my sister. It was, and everyone kept saying, go back and get your job. You're not ready to be a comic yet. And I'm like, no, I got it. You got to yeah. go in all the way yep. or, or, or don't do it. Yeah. And so that, that was that learning right there. That was that, like, how bad do you want it? Right. I think I needed that test to see, am I really willing to sacrifice and go for it? And what did that sacrifice look Ooh, like? It was ugly. <laughs> it was ugly. It was so ugly. Oh my God. I, I ate so much top ramen. <laughs> That's a 99 cent store special, man. Living off, living yeah. off whatever they had to offer. I was, I was very lucky that, uh, you know, my, my sister had taken me in and, and allowed me to chase this dream every day she'd just look at me and go get it she'd go get a real job yeah come on but she'd see me on the phone you know i'd be making phone calls and uh, again you know you had to be very social you had to uh, maintain relationships you couldn't do anything on, on on a cell there was no app that back then there was no you know you couldn't go google uh, stuff you had to do a set somewhere have someone record it have it put on a VHS tape, then find a location where they could duplicate those VHS tapes and then research and find comedy clubs, um, mail those tapes to those clubs and then call those clubs to make sure they receive the tape, follow up and then see if the person, manager, booker saw it, was interested. And then, you know, I mean, there were so many steps back yeah. then. Yeah, you had to be your own. You had to be your team. own everything. And so yeah. it was like it was a lot of time on the phone. And um, like I said, my sister was very patient with me because I ran up a lot of long distance. Right. That was the thing Isn't back then. Isn't it crazy that yeah. we used to have to pay for a long distance phone call and now you can call China right now with zero problems. Yeah. It's absolutely I'm wild. pretty sure there's problems if you call China. <laughs> Someone's going to find Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, you're right. Good why point. Are they, why are you calling China? Why is she doing this? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, you had to be your own manager. You had to be your own advocate. And on some level, I can't imagine how much that prepared you for what was coming. Like if you've established those foundations on your own, how much better able you're you would be able to like tap it, into it, a team. It taught you back then how to uh, you know the business part. Right. You, you again, I didn't have a, a manager, an agent back then that would make all those phone calls and do all that work. So that all I had to do was show up and just be funny. Yeah. Yeah. So now the fact that I had you to get learn to just show up and be up, funny. Now I get to show up and be funny, which right. is which is great. But uh, I I I love the fact that I had to learn everything from the get. It's yeah. like, you know, if you're working at a restaurant and you start off as a the guy that's just taking out the trash, then you're clearing tables and you know, you're moving up until eventually you're you're running the the business. You Absolutely. know, you know you know every single position. Yeah. And was it a pretty steady climb in terms of awareness of what you were doing? So like you just kept getting like bigger and bigger gigs over time to get to this place where we're now at Dodger Stadium, like, what does that trajectory look like? Was it just straight or was it like two steps forward, one step back? There was there was always times when, uh, you know, uh, like in the beginning, I, I had to make all my calls and do everything. And then uh, I had management and then the management had, you know, it was their first time managing. and But they had relationships in, in the business. And so um, certain things started happening. But it, again, you get to a place where yeah, it's just it's plateaued and and what's going on and then there's frustration and what's going to happen and then you know sometimes you part ways and sometimes things get better, and in, in my case we parted ways and then uh, started going in different directions. Yeah, you take chances. I firmly believe you have to take chances and and be willing to fail 
in order to get to where you want to get. So there was a few years of of growing pains. And then, of course, you know, money would come in, money would go out. And then learning, uh, hey, all right, I got a little in over my head this year. I might want to start acting right or do this, that. So there was always constantly um, uh, work, but there was also learning because there was, you know, I'd, I'd take chances. I'd put myself out there take chances in terms of like i'm gonna fund my own tour Uh, take chances as in like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna buy these cds because at the time uh cds were the thing and so like uh i'm gonna invest in in a a recording of myself and i'm gonna invest in purchasing uh bulk you know units and storing them in a closet and then take them on the road and sell them and and instead of parting with that money i gotta save that money reinvest it create a new recording or purchase more or find something else to supplement whatever it was, you know, whatever it was that I was doing. Absolutely. And so when I say, when I say, oh, you got to bet on yourself, that's what I mean. It's like yeah. be willing to invest in yourself and sacrifice the fun because you're going to want to have fun because you're going to see how easy it is yeah. once the ball starts moving. Right. There was a time when I had two Hummers. About two freaking Hummers. Who the hell needs two Hummers? Who needs one Hummer? You and Schwarzenegger. That yeah. Was, that so was I, it. I bought I bought two Hummers and I was living in a two Hummers. And for the record, I didn't even have a house. I was living in an apartment, and I'd park two freaking Hummers on the street. That's how. Yeah, that's where my head was at. That is. I that's mean, where it's my head was. Such a bro at. move. I was it is uh, such a bro move. I was what 24, 25 years old. And honestly, like a like, lot of twenty five year old boys. So I, I don't get that. mad whenever I see like, for example, these boxers that are, you know, they come into millions. And then they're just buying stupid shit. And yep. I'm like, uh, we all, yeah, yeah, uh, we get it, we get it. <laughs> you're seeing it, and you're like, oh man, yeah. I can't believe I, I, because then I see myself, I'm like, I can't believe I did that yeah. shit. Yeah. I'm over there taking a Hummer to a taco shop. <laughs> Could have gotten robbed so many times. I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh my so God. it's like, yeah. Know, I'm, 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 uh, I'm lucky that, that, you know, that nothing happened. Right. Well, it's also sort of like you come into this success and, what do I do with it? There's no playbook. There's no There's um, no playbook. For example, and not saying that it always that not saying that it works, but at least like uh in Major League Baseball or, or the NFL, um, they'll have programs where when these these athletes are about to sign a big contract, they'll they'll at least put them in a little class or a little thing where they'll you know try to let them know, hey, um, you know, you're about to receive a lot of money. Think about how you know how to invest it properly so that you don't set your money on fire. Right, right. Like to try to just give you a little bit of guidance. Absolutely. But as a comic, you know, there's no classes. Right. Like, you know, you mean you're not supposed to have two hummers? I thought that that was, you know, That's I'm, the I'm dream. learning. I'm learning what That's to buy because at the time I'm watching MTV and they're still playing music, uh, music videos on MTV, and so I'm watching all these. Rap videos, right. and I'm like, that's what that's I need. What's happening sh- on Chris? I need shiny stuff yeah. on the car. That's- <laughs> and like, oh my god! And so, yeah, one of the Hummers got stolen. They took all anything shiny on it was taken away. Oh my gosh! And of course, I didn't claim it on my insurance. I didn't tell the insurance company. Oh, by the way, I pimped it out. I was like, no, it's stock. It's stock. So once they they stole the car, they're like, okay, your yeah, car is stock, right. and that's what we're gonna give Here's you money 12 for. Twelve dollars. And yeah. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> Yeah, here's oh, exactly. Oh my gosh! So there's a, there was a lot of a lot of learning, right? A lot of learning. Post two Hummers, we're through that stage. I was like, oh yeah, I learned my lesson. Now I have like eighty cars. Right. I was so- like, <laughs> I did walk in. They're 
amazing, though. I will say, like, I was not anticipating walking in here and seeing that. It's absolutely gorgeous. Thank you. It's I, I, I about 150 Hummers. Now, I, I, no, 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 I know. I, I know. tell everybody it's a Jay Leno starter kit. <laughs> yes, there you go. Because Jay's the one yeah. that got me into uh, collecting cars. Did he really? Yes. How did that come to be? Um. Well, uh, I got an, invited to uh, to Jay's garage many years ago and and you know i had been on the tonight show a few times and so you know i already you know knew jay and so we were just walking around and you know he's giving me a tour and he started asking me questions he goes you know so oh, yeah what are you doing with your money you doing okay then you you know yeah, you're working more and I'm like, yeah i'm working more he's like what are you doing well you know and i, I was telling him like oh well people are telling me i should do this with my money people are telling me i should do that with my money and i should do this and that and he, and he goes well basically like the car thing he says, if you buy classic cars, it's you can enjoy your investment. And when you decide to sell it, if you decide to sell it, you'll make money on it. Oh, really? And I was just like, okay. But again, it's also a learning thing where depending on what car you get. And right. so you have to be, you know, savvy of the uh, what's what's popular and what's not. Yeah. Unfortunately, I chose one that's very popular, which yeah. is Volkswagens. Did you get these? Were they as beautiful as they no. are now? Oh, so you buy... You... Oh, all these cars, yeah. They, they, really? They started off one way and now they're that no way. No way, that's so sick. Yeah. And is it like you have a person that you use every time to do the remodels or what? cliche, but I got a guy. You got a guy. <laughs> I got, you got a, a guy. guy. <laughs> okay, you got a guy here in Long Beach? Locally, yes. Okay. So uh, fortunately, the, uh, the guy who's incredible when it comes to uh, mechanical and engine work is lives very close by and the the person who's responsible for making the uh the buses look beautiful and restoration is also local so wow. i got i got two two people that are close by that's amazing do you feel like it's like a tattoo like once you get one you can't stop uh you know what i've never gotten a <laughs> tattoo i've got stretch marks but they they <laughs> keep too. i keep adding <laughs> i keep adding so yeah they've uh I've, I've i've outgrown the space so is this the full collection or is there like a secret there's still there's still about eight more oh, that are wow. not here and do you think you'll stay with the VW? Is that uh, like yours? No, I okay. mean that's that's what I that's the preference. But yeah. no, I got a couple other you yeah. know, cars that I'm. Messing do you with. actually drive them? Uh, when I when possible. Okay. They're all drivable. Okay, it's like in Bodyguard where if you drive a car and people know it's you, you run the risk of you know getting attacked. It, it does. It is a thing. Yeah. But I mean, I you know the the buses I keep them local, so it's yeah. not like I'm taking them to San Diego or right. driving to Bakersfield, right. going to the grapevine and yeah. stalling out or something. <laughs> right. I keep I keep everything very close by. Okay, very cool. Sorry, we went off on a car that... tangent. But Jay Leno says, cars, here's an option. His, At... ca his car guys became my car guys. Oh, so then nice. I started talking to them. And... The, the best car guys. Yeah. Uh, at the time, they're like, uh, you know, if, if you're looking for something, let us know. We'll, we'll help you find it. And... Uh, I was trying to get a Christmas present for my then girlfriend. I wanted to get her her first car, not the actual one, but a, a replica of what oh, her first cool. car was. And those guys did it in two days. What and was the so car? It was a Trans Am. Okay. And so I uh, I didn't have anywhere to put it. And Jay was nice enough to let me keep it there at his place until Christmas time. All right. And then I wound up taking my girlfriend there on Christmas, gave a big tour of Jay Leno's garage, and then oh by the way, Merry Christmas. And so I told the guys, I go, hey, man, that's cool. You guys found that car. I go, uh, they said, well, if you're looking for anything else. And I said, well, uh, how about a Volkswagen? And I was very, like, detailed with the year and stuff like that. And sure enough, they, yeah. they called me a few days later and they had one. How amazing. And they said, well, if you want anything else, let us know. And I said, well, if you come across another one, let me know. Yeah. And one turned into two, turned into ten. And, yeah, you see what happens. Yeah. How long have you been collecting them? Seven years. Seven years. Okay. Actually, eight years now. When did you get your first special? 
it's on, and forgive me for not knowing, whether it was Netflix or HBO or whatever, when my, did that first happen? My first comedy special was actually a Comedy Central half-hour special. Okay. I want to say that was 2000. Okay, so 23 years ago. Yeah. You get this special. Are you, like, crapping your pants? Like, oh, my, this is my moment. I'm about to do this. Like, how did that feel? It felt like if I died the next day, I, I'd be a happy camper because I'm like, Wow. Oh, that's you know, just cool. to say that I had my special, I took my fo- my whole family with me to yeah. New York because we filmed there. Uh, I want to say it was the Hudson Theater, and I, I remember we were just you know it was only thirty minutes. Yeah, but like it was a Comedy Central special. Yes, and uh, yeah, I, I just you know they they played the hell out of that special, and so from that, I got a couple of other you know opportunities to do work with Comedy Central. I think the goal is always like now is is going to be Netflix, mm-hmm. and then there's you know uh, if you don't not doing Netflix, Amazon, uh, or doing something independently. There's a lot of platforms where you can just do your own thing, but uh, Comedy Central definitely was the place to be in the early 2000s. Yeah, for sure. And now, I mean, no big deal. You're just doing a Netflix special at Dodger Stadium. Crazy, right? That's insane. How did that feel? Um, I'm still processing because yeah. it's like that night itself was so very, it's surreal. It's surreal. It's like every movie where you see someone in front of a, a stadium and it's that noise that like, you know, cause I'm used to being in a club and you hear, ah, hey, yeah, ah, ah. that one guy. Yeah. yeah. And so to hear a roar, it's just, it's like, wow. It's, what was it's the powerful. biggest thing you had done before Dodger Stadium? Let me see. I had actually uh, had an opportunity to do 15 minutes at a uh, at a football stadium in uh, in Florida called uh, Gator Growl. I opened up for Jim Gaffigan way back in the day, and it was for like a like a homecoming type of thing. And so it was a football stadium, but I mean, again, there was a lot of different events and activities and things going on. But they did have a comedy night, and it was starring Jim Gaffigan. And I got to open for him. And so that was the biggest audience I had been in front of. And I want to say it was somewhere between forty and 50,000 people that wow. were there for that. Uh, but, I mean, I you know, just touring every night in front of anywhere between ten to 15,000 people at uh, arenas. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was used to performing and doing big shows. To a large group, yeah. You know, but there is, that, there is a difference between, you know, a club to a theater, a theater to a bigger theater, bigger theater to an arena – and then arena to stadium because absolutely like that, the, the timing and just like wow. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing, and I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way, as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle, and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. 
Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. Guys, no two listeners of the show are exactly alike, which means that no two vacations you take are going to be exactly alike either. And if you're looking for a place that will serve all of you, Texas has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. I love Texas so much, I moved my family there for five years. Because here's the deal, Texas has it all. Are you a beach person? We got you. If you love a rugged vacation, not my jam, but there's plenty of campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. My favorite part about Texas the food. It is the thing I miss the absolute most. Whether you love barbecue or Tex-Mex or just want to be in cities that take their food very seriously, you can enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. Well, I also was curious in watching it, the bigger the room gets or the bigger the space gets, the reverb, the bounce back of your voice and to land a joke and to do the thing. And I was curious what that felt like in a huge stadium with an echo or did that affect you at all that it was so massive that it's then the energy is going out in a different way than when it's, you know, 300 people in a comedy club? You know, I, I've done shows where um, it, and at the end of the day, it's all about how good the sound system is, mm. because if you have a solid sound system and you've got great monitors and you're, you know, you can you can have it's like dialed. In. Yeah, dialed yeah. in. And then versus having setups where it's. It's Mickey Mouse, and because right. you know, I've had shows where there's really bad slapback is, is the yes. term. So you say something, and you'll just hear that. You'll hear your voice just coming right back at you, and it's like, whoa! Yeah, and your brain's like, ignore that, keep going. No, my brain the whole time is going, and that's why we take our own sound guy on the yeah, road. Yeah, I shouldn't sure. have cut corners here because yeah. every time it's a bad show with with audio, it's because I cut a corner. Yeah, it's because I was trying to save money, and at the end, you know, it's like, you know, do you care what you're putting out to people? Right. Are you trying to save a buck? And so I'd rather just spend the money and make sure that everybody has a good experience because ultimately you want to make sure that they come back. Yeah. Um, but in a situation where you're in front of that many people, I was concerned that it was going to be like anytime you see a movie and the guy's like, now batting, 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 number 40, 40, 45, 5, 5, 5, 5, <laughs> Jose, 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 you know, I thought it was going to be like that. And fortunately, uh, we had a really good sound system. Good, good. You know, we had one of the guys... Working on the on the on the gig from Metallica. Nice. I heard it was like, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, you got it. It's okay. gonna be good. Okay, it's good. Be good. 
<laughs> was that your idea to do that venue or someone on your team? Like, where did the idea for Dodger Stadium come from? The idea for Dodger Stadium came from a, a guy at Netflix named Robbie Pra. Uh, he's uh, the one the one in charge of, of comedy. So anytime a comedy special gets uh, gets done, he's the guy that green lights it and makes it happen. Uh, he came from uh, Just for Laughs. He used to be in Canada uh, with the comedy festival, and uh, Netflix got him. Cool. cool. Very cool dude. Um, he approached us with the idea. Uh, it was perfect timing because... I had already played uh, Staple Center, uh, now Crypto. Um, I can't stand that name. But anyway, uh, yeah. So I had already played Staple Center a couple of times, and we were trying to figure out, all right, well, what are we going to do next? How can we top that? Do we add a show? Do we go play the forum? What do we do next? And so also uh, factoring in COVID, it kept me off the road for a while. It had been a couple of years since I'd done L.A. proper, and uh, so between that and COVID, it was almost three years. So we get a phone call and originally it was just going to be a, a, what do you think about having this Dodger Stadium thing as part of the comedy festival they were going to do in Los Angeles for Netflix is a joke. That was the name of the comedy festival. Mm -hmm. I don't like the name Netflix is a joke. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> Sorry, Robbie, you can't hit home runs. Uh, but no, it's, it's uh so they wanted to have a big a big show to close the festival. And so the idea of, of, of Dodger Stadium came up and what do you think? And, you know, based on the amount of shows that I, I've done at fairs locally in, in L.A. Or, and Staples Center plays and, you know, mathematically, does it make if they if they got behind it and promoted it, could it be successful? And so we're like, you know what? We like the idea. And at that time, I was getting ready to shoot a new special in San Antonio. And uh, it was during COVID, and uh, the idea was to do 30 shows in 30 days so that we could stay in a COVID bubble and not travel and keep the same people around us. And so I had not done stand-up in over a year, and I needed to do sets to get my timing back, but I figured a month worth of shows, I'll be good because I already had the material. And so day 27, while being there in San Antonio, I got sick with COVID. No. And so we had to cancel all production. Netflix, everybody had to go home. Everything just canceled. So we're like, what the hell? Yeah. So the, well, what I said, well, you know what? Let's see if maybe, because I'm going to need to re record a special at some point. So then I pitched the idea to them. How about we do that Dodger Stadium show and we make it a special? This way it'll be more, you know, more reason for people to want to come out and see it and support it. And so they're like, all right. You know, so it was kind of like it was their idea, but then it was my idea. Like, let's all right, yeah. let's let's turn this lemon into lemonade that just happened because I was supposed to knock out that special there in San Antonio. Did you ever have a moment of like, holy crap, like, can we do this? Will it sell? Or are you just someone who's like, nope, it's happening. It will happen. I will manifest. I think my thing. management was more nervous than anybody yeah. else. They're like, you know, they're 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 great, but they're also very calculated and they want to make sure that hey, Gabe, you know, I get that. <laughs> Gabe, there's when you hear that tone, it's like, all right, they're about to freaking get. <laughs> they're, they're gonna dream to get, crush here, me here right go, now. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, but you were never worried. It's not that I was worried. It's just that I wasn't gonna. Um, I wasn't gonna let them influence me to not want to do it. Yeah. Because I figured. No other time has my career been where it's at. And I think that if I'm ever going to try to do something like this or try to jump to that next level, it has to be now. And I feel like all the stars lined up. And again, the fact that, that Netflix already thought that, that that was a possibility, 
you know, they have all the numbers and all the algorithms. And so they see all that stuff that they don't let out to the public. So I think, you know, they already knew. Right. They already knew that, hey, if we're going to bet on somebody to pull this one off, that that I was I was a good, you know, I was a good bet. That's amazing. And you said you're still processing that it happened. Yeah, like- because it was just it was so big, you know, it's and it's so different. And it's like, uh, you know, I spent my childhood going there. You know, it's it's not oh, yeah. some random venue. It's, it's Dodger Stadium. Yeah. It's it's local. It's I've driven by it probably five hundred times right. since since that night. Yeah. And every time I drive by, I get that little tickle, like ah, <laughs> ah my God, you know. That's amazing. And and what I think is great too is that every time I see somebody with a Dodger shirt and I and I get recognized somewhere, I go, "Hey, Dodger shirt," and they're like, "Ah," yeah, and they point at me because like. Now I'm associated with that. That's so I'm associated cool. with with that, and everybody brings it up, and it's awesome. Like I'll run in, in, into uh, other comedians, and the first thing they say is, "Man, how was that?" That's you awesome. know, and the fact that it was documented, and and at the end of that night on stage, I let it be known. I go, you know, uh, in not so many words, this is the best night of my, you know, not only of my career but of my life, and it's being documented, and it's like. It was just like, wow. And so I did two hours on according to Netflix, and then I did about another hour of celebrating on stage, and the crowd didn't leave. And so just hanging out. I'm still paying the fines because, uh, yeah. You got fined. I got fined. Oh, because you went over. Yeah, I didn't just go over. It was like we woke up at Dodger Stadium. It was it was obscene, you know. You were what? You guys were like listening to music. You're dancing. Oh, it, was, telling the, it jokes. was the end of my set. I said, thank you, good night. But then I stayed up there, and I said, you guys, can I? Can I hang out? And, yeah. <laughs> and I, that was one of those where it wasn't just a show. It was a celebration. And I think everybody saw that. Like, it was all these years that led up to this moment. Yes. And there were so many people that were at that show that night that had been to other shows. You know, I'm a, it was a, I'm a hometown kid. And yeah. so it's like, I'm, it's not just a, some one-off, you know? It's not... Yeah, Lady Gaga at some random uh, stadium, right. uh, you know, somewhere. No disrespect to Lady Gaga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She no. could do that all yeah. day, every day. But you know, for this comic, this this you know homegrown kid to be doing this show was a, it was like wow, one of us made it. Yeah, and it's like on some level, I think there's an ownership in the audience of like we were at those shows when it was a hundred people, and now we're here in the stadium, which yeah. is amazing. That well, was the first thing I told the audience. I go, we did it. Yeah. So That's it was incredible. it was it was beautiful. And uh, well, yeah, any... that, that that was my favorite hangover of all time. <laughs> <laughs> but I never thought day. about that. What's the best hangover? You did it as yourself, too. Like you really did it as yourself. I, you could look at your comedy. It It's not impersonating anybody else. It's not like, oh, he's trying to do that thing. You are uniquely you. Is that did you always feel confident to to show up as yourself on stage was that something is that the way you were raised like where does that come from that took a while because uh originally originally like i said i was just doing characters and voices and i wasn't really being me it was just me doing impressions and and voices and like oh he's really good at that so it took a minute for me to find my voice i guess if if that's what they say uh where i started incorporating stories into my set and uh what what i wound up doing was i would just tell stories about myself and then add the magic of the sound effects and the characters to be able to create this story yeah and so that's what i started doing and so now it's like that's that's just the process yeah something happens and then all right let me go up there grab the mic and uh, let me see what kind of spin i can put and do you feel like you're still sort of 
in the same way that you were back in the day, just like open to where this journey is taking you? Or do you personally have strategy of your like, and now we're going here? Um, I find that if I, I've, if I overthink and I plan too hard, it doesn't work out the way that I'd like. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I have ideas of like, okay, well, you can try this or go in this direction, but it's, it's real light. So I'm not, you know, I, I pencil things in. Yeah. So it's not too, you know, yeah. concrete. Do you have a, an intention or a goal for 2023? Well, this year, uh, to have fun because after that Dodger Stadium show, I felt like there was so much pressure to make it happen. And then it did happen. And then it's like the conversation is, all right, what, what do we what, what now? And so it's like, aren't I supposed to feel relief now? I, I'm, I'm, can I celebrate? Yeah. Can I do a victory lap? You know? And so it's like, ah, oh. uh, so. It's an interesting thing about this industry, media in general or music or any of it that, you have to, and I'm using air quotes, but like keep striking while the iron's hot, which means that inevitably I think so many artists get burnt out because you can't, you're not allowed to like feel it or sit in it. Exactly. And they're, um, but it's like, oh, but you're hot right now. So keep going. Do you feel the pressure to keep going? Or are you like, always, yeah, always. Yeah. Cause it's, I, I have a, a, you know, a lot of people that I, you know, are, are part of this. And so it's like, okay. But at the same time too, you know, if I'm not having fun on stage, it shows. Yeah. And then, you know, every week there's a weekly uh, conversation of like, uh, you know, everybody gets on the call. We all get on a Zoom call. We started doing that during COVID. And we just talk about the week and talk about what's going on and uh, what went right, what didn't go right, what can we do better. And, you know, it's just the weekly thing. So we're all communicating. And I just started saying, I'm, I'm tired, guys, yeah. you know. And uh, eventually, I, I had to scare everybody and and pull out a blood pressure machine and be like, "This is my blood pressure right now," <laughs> you know. And I'm showing the numbers, yeah. like, "This is my blood pressure right yeah. now." Can we, can, can, we, can we take a little, little breather? And so, for the next uh, six months, I said, "I just want to do comedy clubs. I want to go back to the most simple, just have fun." I show up to a comedy club. It's turnkey. I, I get there. You want some nacho? You want soda? <laughs> uh, who's going up? What's the name? Okay. And it's just fun. And I get to just have fun and create and uh, not worry about the pressure of having to deliver a, a massive show. It's Good just for you. people are excited that they can see me in, in a very intimate setting. And I've had people come recently to shows. And I'm like, I was at Dodger Stadium. And I'm like, like, these seats are way better, huh? Yeah. Like, yeah, I can see you. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> so at least six months. And then, uh, you know, it'll it'll give me enough time to put together a brand new show. Hopefully, you know, between now and and I guess July, because uh, they, they're they're ready. They're ready to start booking uh, another arena tour. Yeah. You seem, and you can tell me if I'm incorrect, but you seem very chill. It's, um, a, it's a comfy couch. <laughs> very comfy couch. No, but I mean, I, I sit with a lot of people. I have a lot of friends who have built incredible careers for themselves. And I feel like the overwhelming energy especially post-covid is this like anxiety of i have to be producing i'm not producing enough i'm still burnt out i can't and they feel you seem settled like in the it's still going to be there i know who i am i know what it is that i've done i have this fan but is that is that that sounds right expectation accurate yeah that sounds right yeah I mean, don't get me wrong i i still every day i'm like okay what, what what can we do today 
and and I know that I could I could be involved in so many other things, but at the same time, I'm like, I I need to start being involved with myself. Yeah, that's and, great. And have a little more fun. Uh, normally, like I said, there'd be dogs right here right now. My my dogs are always with me. Yeah, uh, they're at the vet right now. But uh, you know, I I take my dogs with me on the road. I uh I take them with me, and that's that's my little getaways. My little my little my little fur kids. Yeah. <laughs> what is fun for you look like this year? Do you have ideas about how that shows up? My idea of fun now, I'm 46 years old, and I just love getting in the car and taking a drive, setting a nice playlist, and then just just driving. And I do I usually do this at night. So, you know, if, if someone runs, you know, thinks that it's me, like, I think I just saw Fluffy <laughs> at, you know, a, a drive-thru, and it's 2 o'clock in the morning. It, it's probably, it's it's probably yeah, me. Yeah, it's definitely him. Um, I love taking late-night drives because there's no traffic. You know, yeah, you're and, in LA. and it's, I'm in LA, yeah. and, and I could just I could just go. Right. What's on the playlist? Uh, I love the Eagles, and oh. I'm actually going to go see the Eagles next month. Oh wow! Where are they playing? They are playing at Thunder Valley Casino, um, and the only reason I know is because I'm playing Thunder Valley <laughs> Casino, and so uh, that's how they got me to do it because they they just built this new room there, and uh, the promoters like, hey man, you know, um, do you want you know. Personally, I never liked this casino. I never liked the venue. I never liked the setup because it was just, it, it felt like a, a, it was very uncomfortable. It was outdoors. It's next to a train track. And so <laughs> you, you're in the middle of your set and then freaking. <laughs> you're like, thank you. And they would do that shit on purpose. Yeah. Just to mess with They know. They're, they're like, watch that this. <laughs> and I'd probably do the same thing too. <laughs> so I, I get it. And then, you know, there's planes and helicopters and bugs and you got to deal with the weather. And so it was never fun. And, and. Even though the pay was amazing, I call them hoe gigs because you're just hoeing yourself out right there. But eventually they built a new indoor uh, venue and they said, hey, look, uh, we'd like to see about you coming and performing at this venue. And I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, well, the Eagles are are performing there the week before you and Bruno Mars is going to be performing there. Oh, wow. Santana. So I'm like, all right. Fine. So then I said, all right, I'll, I'll go. But I, I want Eagles tickets. And Absolutely. then I told, and then I told my management, I want that weekend off so I can go up there and see the Eagles. And yeah, so I want to make it a whole thing. Have you ever seen them before? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. What number concert is this for you? This is going to be three. Okay. What was your favorite one out of the two you've seen? The first one I saw them yeah. at the Forum, and yeah. uh, Glenn Fry was still alive, um, and I also saw them in Las Vegas. Very so cool. So this will be my first time seeing them since, uh, yeah. Wow. Are you a big music fan? Is like concerts? Is that a big part? I of love your, concerts. Yeah. Oh man, I went to go see Adele in Vegas a few weeks ago. How was that? Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. And then when you're watching Adele, you got to play that game where um, how tough are you? <laughs> how long can you hold out before she gets you? Because she will eventually get you. You know, you start like you're off gonna cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You start off tough. You're like, yeah, whatever. I'm here for her. You know, I'm here for her. Whatever. Yeah. And then sure enough, she'll get to one of them yeah. songs that just hits. <laughs> And you're like, <laughs> you'll hit, you'll feel yep. it. Like, I yeah. gotta go pee. I'll right. be back. I'll be back. <laughs> and then you're in the bathroom, and they're still playing the music. You, you know, the concert continues, and so it's like, oh my god. Oh my gosh. But one of the best concerts I've ever seen. No way. Yes. Really. Yes. Adele gets down. I've seen her twice. Uh, once at Staples, and now she has residency and uh, at Caesar's Palace. Yeah. To be honest, I have never seen her because I mean, her voice is amazing, but I honestly thought it might be a little bit of a dull show because it's just sort of ballads her stage show okay. is 
wow. Okay. It's it okay. really is super impressive. All right. I appreciate that. And, and as a as a show person, let me tell yeah. you, I'm I, the entire time I'm like, oh, I gotta copy some of this shit. Yeah. Look, look what she's doing on the walls. She's, <laughs> I mean, because that venue, it's it it allows for you to do so much in there. And she's putting on a stadium show inside of a a big theater. Oh, cool. Okay. So the amount of, of visual square footage she takes up in that room. She uses With the show, it. yes, it That's is a amazing. great show. That's amazing. What do you feel like? Have you seen that Madonna's going on tour? I saw that. Uh, I'll go check her out. Yeah, same. We were I'll talking go, about I'll last night. We were like, oh man, I want it to be Madonna, and I'm a little nervous that I'll go and be like, oh, it's Madonna doing Madonna. Madonna. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't mean a that. Like, she's just an icon. It's always scary when you go see an icon. Sometimes you're disappointed and sometimes you're like oh this is why you are who you are because you're forever this great but yeah i was like okay. I'll, I'll go i'll go check her out yeah sure. right we have to we have to know there's certain people that i'm like you know matter what if they're doing a show yeah. i want to see it like I, I got to see paul mccartney uh, recently it's yep. so fi and yeah you would think that at a big venue amazing and, you know so I, i've seen uh paul mccartney a few times and yeah. one of those times was at dodger stadium oh sick that's so sick. I got to see him last this last summer when he was sort of making up those dates and literally just sat in front and wept violently while Blackbird played and just was like, what is my life? It's funny. Uh, have you ever <laughs> seen Eric Clapton? I've never seen Eric okay. Clapton, but I imagine he's also it's another one. unbelievable. I saw him 20 years ago at Staples and then just saw him again when he was on tour and sort of thought, you know, it's been 20. I saw the best I'll ever see him and then better i'm not exaggerating better he has it's like a fine wine like he's better than he's ever been he is a musician's musician like he's there to jam he's not really trying to perform for the audience he it seems like he's just with 10 of his friends like just hanging out in his basement like playing music How it cool was is that right so sick so i highly recommend sorry i got off on a no trend. definitely music's my favorite yeah. i'm always curious like, so to oh. answer your question yes i love music okay great i wish i could have seen uh tom petty oh Dude, it is my biggest regret in my life is that I did Tom not Petty. see him perform. I literally almost wore a Tom Petty vintage T-shirt today. It would have been amazing. He seems like one of those guys that would have lived forever, you know? It's like, <sighs> really? Same. same yeah. <sighs> so sad. Before my time, certainly. But, like, I also would have loved to have seen Bowie. That feels David like, Boy, yeah, yeah, it feels like it would have been the greatest concert of all time. An artist. A true artist. Mm -hmm. I just... Okay, I'm going to stop being a dork, nice. a dork over music. <laughs> Have you ever seen Beyonce, though? I've never seen her perform Dude, live. Dude, I will battle to the death that there is no greater performer living today than Beyonce. I, it, you will not regret it. Your life will be changed. You have to see her. She's about to go on tour again. You have to see her. It's literally like she has all these backup dancers that cycle out because nobody can keep up with her. She's just going so hard. It for someone I don't sorry okay I'm sorry I'm go ahead being a dork I just <laughs> I respect so much when you can tell that the artist fucking cares she's Beyonce she doesn't have to be she could sit on a stool and we would all be like yeah it's Beyonce and she still seems like she's going as hard as when she started with Destiny's Child and I just respect that so much so. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna. I'm gonna check music. her out. That was, you, sold, you sold her show. You have to. I, whatever she does, it's gonna be the right thing. It seems like you have taken really your own path into the comedy space. A lot of times when you see comics sort of coming up, they're all hanging out with each other. They're all having dinners together, and they sort of come up. But it 
at least from the outside, it sort of seems seems like you've gone on your own trajectory. Didn't do that. You did, okay. I, uh, you know what? I I think that it's it's good and it's also bad because like when everybody's around each other like that, like that was the case early on when I was at the bars and mm-hmm. the dive spots, and it's like okay, so you had no choice. But once uh, once I started working and doing my own thing, I I, I try not to get involved in cliques and groups because there are cliques and groups out there and so if you went to the comedy store or went to the laugh factory there was comics that like it was it was groups you know and, and these were the people that would hang out together and same thing like i remember at the comedy store there was a the andrew dice clay click the joe rogan click the eddie griffin click there was you know were you a, a, a an improv guy or were you a comedy store guy were you a laugh factory guy you know it's like there was it was it's like high school like, uh. yeah and so i just love the fact that once I got out on the road and was able to stay out on the road, I didn't have to worry about being part of, you know, these these groups where sometimes it's good where you motivate each other and, and they, you push. And then sometimes I feel like everybody's sabotaging each other, trying to claw their way out of there. Yeah. And so I never wanted to let anyone else's dreams or what they wanted influence me. Uh, automatically, as a comic back in the day, you were taught, you were conditioned to want a HBO one-hour special. You wanted to do The Tonight Show. You wanted to have a sitcom. Those are all the things that were pre-programmed based on ideas of, of comedy back then. You want that one-hour special. You want to do The Tonight Show. You want to have a sitcom because you want to be able to build an audience that will come out to see you. That was the goal. You want to build this audience to come out to see you. So the fact that I came along at a time when the internet was just starting to take off and then eventually getting involved with um, putting my content on on YouTube for the world, you know, and a lot of times comics would get upset, you know, this was during the time when like um, Metallica was getting mad that Napster was putting their music out and that, you know, people were sharing too much content and that people weren't weren't being compensated for their 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 art form and what they did and everyone was so focused on the money that that was being lost whereas i says you know what i'd rather have people sharing my content because all it's going to do is promote me and get my name out there i'll make money when i go on tour so i encouraged people to please share my content if you love it you know because a lot of times people were just pulling reporting accounts and stuff like that i'm like no share the shit out of it please thank you yeah you know and and i feel like that really helped me yeah to to get to get to that next place well it also feels like and and uh, and other people would have been like no man you're losing money yeah you're doing this yeah but comics are all together in groups and everyone's talking i just feel like uh, you know uh, yeah someone needs to be the one that says all right the leader of it and then be like, okay, unless they're doing better than everyone else, yeah. then everyone just needs to, you know, yeah. uh, just stop. I hate to use this as such a buzzy, lame word, but like you've built a brand. I mean, walking in here, I was like, where am I going right now? And they were like, oh, we do all of the merch ourselves. Everything is handled in-house because you care about the quality of what's going out to the audience. And it sounds like you've always sort of been about the audience as opposed to how does this benefit me which is feels different than maybe some other people who are in the space that you're like here for the fans if you take care of people people will take care of you it's very easy 
But what made you decide to like, there's a bunch of like the, bobblehead the, the dolls. Brand, the there. branding, all that started many, many years ago when, uh, you know, took on the, the nickname, the fluffy nickname, because originally it was just a joke in the set. And so the idea was, my last name is Iglesias. It's already a famous name. Okay, a couple of people have rocked that name and they've been very successful with it. I says, all I got to do is is make the first name famous. And I figured Gabriel is not a common name, especially amongst comedians. There's only been one other famous Gabriel. Now it's Gabe Kaplan. They really stood out, had a sitcom a show back in the day, you know, that Welcome Back Cotter. And so there wasn't another Gabriel out there that was doing comedy that that had that was popular. And so I says, I just got to work on Gabriel. And in my set, I had a joke about you know, be you know, I'm a big guy, and I'm you know, I complained to my mom that I I was fat, and she's like, "You're not fat, you're fluffy, mijo." And so it was that whole that bit about calling myself fluffy. In which case, I only said it like one time in the bit, but at the end of the show, whenever I'd see people, because I and that was another thing too. After my show, I would stay and and thank every single person that came out. I'd stand by the door, and so when they're walking out, thanks for coming by. I appreciate you know, thank you. Hope you had a good time and. You know, sometimes people would have cameras with them. This was before cell phones could do it. Yeah. So people would have a physical camera, and so I'd take a picture or or just sign something. They would come up to me, and they'd say, good, good job, Fluffy. And I'm like, I'm like, really? Like, I, it was oh, one joke. Dang. And I was so annoyed because I'm like, my, why can't they say Gabriel? Why can't they say, yeah. you know, the Iglesia? It was always Fluffy. And I, I just... I got so tired and I was so annoyed, but I, I didn't want to drop the joke because it was a good joke. And so um, I just eventually learned to embrace it. And I, I made it a thing where every single thing I, I did, I incorporated the word fluffy. And I branded it so hard so early on where if you go online and I tell people all the time, it's the, the fluffy challenge. Google the word fluffy. And I am the number. I own the word. <laughs> I, I, the first thing that will pop up, I, I beat, you know, beat out uh, cats, quilts, comforters, cotton candy, anything fluffy. I am first globally. Oh my God. So it's, it's, it, I branded it that hard back then. And uh, I stayed consistent. I think a lot of times too, um, I learned a lot from pro wrestling. Yeah, they big, were saying this. I'm a big this. fan okay. of pro wrestling. And so they're always coming out with new uh, characters and, 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 you know, uh, wrestlers and just, they're, they're, they'll have gimmicks about a, a certain personality that they have. And what they'll do is they'll, they'll present this personality. And in the beginning, you're like, Ugh, really? You know, you're what if you're if you're like watched religiously the way I did, you're like, oh, this new character. All right. I don't know. But then they hit you with the same character the following week and then the following week and the following week. And, and you start they you start getting conditioned to. Uh, want and expect the exact same thing. So they'll have the same catchphrase, the same look, the same entrance. And so they train you and, and they condition you to get used to that and want that. Yeah. And so when they deviate from it, you feel like, whoa. Yeah. And so it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, I, I need to stay consistent. Because uh, I, I have a lot of comedy friends that are constantly changing their look, changing their cadence, changing their what they're doing in their act. And I'm like, Give yourself a chance to succeed doing what you're doing before you abandon ship. That's so you know, good. Give, give it a chance. Give yeah. it a chance. And, and, and you know, because I'm all for change and doing what's best to make it grow. But you need to get, you know, because I had one friend, he used to always cut his hair. You know, he had his hair really long and then he cut his hair short. He's like, oh, I'm just going for a better look. 
people are only remember the dude with the long hair. Right. Why? Why did you do this? Right. Once you once you get to a place where people know you, then you can do whatever you want. You want to have a beard like Jonah Hill, not have a beard like Jonah Hill. You want to be big like Jonah Hill. You want to be thin like Jonah Hill. You, it's Jonah Hill. Right. So there's no question about that. But if he did that before when no one knew him, then it's like yeah, it's like eight different people that just, you know. So so, so try to try to stay consistent with it. And so, like I said, I, I I branded the fluffy thing back then. I stayed consistent with the shorts and the look. So. Big guy, Hawaiian shirt, shorts, fluffy. Was anybody rocking shorts on? It, it, these are little things that stand out. So, you know, how do you remember that one guy? It's the guy in the shorts. Yeah. How many comics are wearing shorts? <laughs> Everybody back in the day was wearing the, the uh, what do they call this? Like the sport coat? The, the, the oh, like a blazer. The, yeah. 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 And jeans, you know, a certain look. And it's like, okay. What, You're right. How, what are you doing to make yourself different to stand out? Yeah, you're so right. So... Of course, what's happening on stage uh, and then what's happening off stage. Everyone was just jumping on the, in their car and taking off, you know, for, whereas my show was done, but it wasn't done. Now phase two. Now we go outside and we do the meet and greets. My meet and greets would take twice as long as the show. Wow. Yeah, I understand that. And then the people were like, oh, he's going to hang out. Oh, right. well, yeah, I'll yeah. hang out. Yeah, because it's like the over deliver thing. You're like, you guys showed up for me. I'm about to show up for you so hard. I'm going to hold space for whatever VIP moments at my events. And it's like hour, hour and a half, whatever. And you have the team of people who are like trying. And I'm like, oh, hell no. Like Helen drove here from two states away. I will. We're going to talk for 30 minutes about her grandbaby and how excited she is for that. Because I don't know. I remember what it felt like when one person showed up. So if this many people want to be here, I'm going to be here with them. I like, I vibe with that so hard. Yeah. And so I, I did that for so many years. Yeah. And uh, I, last week I was in uh, Phoenix and there was a, you know, I was doing Q&A at the end of my show. So I did, I did like a 90 minute set and then I did Q&A. So anybody wants to ask questions, you know, and this one girl goes, you signed a thing for me uh, in the year 2000 at a show and blah, blah, blah. Like she starts naming things. And she's like, do you remember that? I go, it was what, 23 years ago? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and then she, she still had the paper and she brought it up to the stage and she showed me that I had signed this piece of, she held on to that piece of paper yeah. and it had signatures of, of two other comics on it that it already died. And I'm like, Oh, oh my damn. God. You know? And I remember those, those comics. And I remember like, Wow, when I saw the paper, I was like, oh, shoot, I think I, I might remember this. Yeah. You know, but I just thought it was cool that she saved that way back then when I wasn't a name, when I wasn't someone that, okay, but that was during that time when I was just like, all right, I'll hang out and, you know, see what happens. That's incredible. Well, I mean, it sounds like getting to do something like the stadium, like you were still having the... I don't know, the results of all of those years of showing up for people and then they're showing up for you in this incredible way, which is so inspiring to see. Yeah, so. no, it was it was awesome. And again, I felt like it was a celebration for everyone. It was like very much a it was a group thing that made it happen. And, and you know, I was very uh, grateful. Oh, well, I'm excited to see what happens next. I hope it's not I hope I don't see a special for a while. I hope I just see like you on social media having fun and doing silly things this year. There are, oh, you know there's going to be pressure <laughs> for another special soon. But uh like I'm I'm going to enjoy these next 6 months of just good. Going back to just being a comic at a club. Yeah, that's sick. If if we want to see you perform at a club, is that a thing or you just show up and surprise people? 
Uh, no, um, it's not on my website because uh, all these all these dates are just you know they're they're random yeah. spots. Um, I do have a show, two shows that I'm going to be doing in Vegas in April. Rad. At the Cosmopolitan. You and Adele, right? Not, yeah. <laughs> She's opening for I'd you. I'd go see her again. <laughs> I would go see her again. Okay, so Vegas, April, that's where, if we want to see you, that's, that's where we're going to That's probably go. the best bet. So incredible. I will tell you, um, my son, who is 14, has never thought I am as cool as I am right now sitting with you. So I'm really grateful for the time. What's your son's name? Sawyer. Sawyer. <laughs> Sawyer, what's up, dude? It's Gabriel Iglesias. I'm here. I'm hanging out with your mom. I know that doesn't sound right, um, but we're we're cool. We're on a couch. No, but yeah, it still doesn't sound right. So look, man, I just want to say hi. Hope you're well. Um, your mama cool. She's, uh, you know, we're just here hanging out, talking. I don't know if she's going to let you watch this interview or not. I don't think I said anything bad. So, Nothing. Yeah. Okay, Nothing cool. Nothing bad. So anyways, enjoy it. Uh, hope you're well. And if she loved you, she would have brought you. Just saying. All right, Sawyer. Be good. Thank you. That was incredible. Thank you so much for the time, brother. Thank I you. appreciate it. The Rachel Hollis podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas, Register today at thisisils.org.